0: Blue Wire.
1: What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Fay. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, sadly, another Nets loss tonight to the Golden State Warriors. One hundred six, one hundred ten. How are we feeling, Jack?
2: Yeah, not the best, Nick. I threw out quite a few profanities. Might get some noise complaints down here in Melbourne, but. Try and keep it PG, keep it copacetic, try and get zen, you know, throw a bit of sage in my recording room and see if I can go Kyrie about and sort of just chill out and go, all right, it's just one fun game. But, man, this is infuriating for, for a lot of reasons.
1: Yeah, I think it's some built-up um, frustration, too, because obviously Nets four straight loss. You know, this is a team going to the season you'd probably think that they might not even have a four-game losing streak the entire year. So just continuing to have some disappointing losses, obviously guys being banged up. James Harden didn't play in this one. LaMarcus Aldridge left this game. But we're going to jump into it and plenty more. Make sure you check the buzz on all streaming platforms. Jack, where do you want
2: to start? Nick, do you think I know where we want to start with this one? I think you might, my friend. At the end of the game? Why the... Should I ask you beforehand to get the old beat button for me? Why the heck did Stephen Canadian Maple Syrup Nash not challenge the call? Yeah, uh,
1: obviously you're talking about the call at the end of the game where Kyrie was called for a foul on the inbound pass before the ball was inbounded so the Warriors, got a free throw in the ball back, uh, which allowed them to, you know, get, get solidified their lead and pretty much put it out of reach. Obviously, Nash didn't challenge to play. He said to beat writers after the game that the refs pretty much told him it was absolutely a foul and that there was pretty much no point in challenging it. So, you know, you could take that for what it is. You know, maybe the refs weren't willing to give him the call. It looked like there was enough contact to really call a foul there. So it's up in the air, but it, it is extremely frustrating, especially just given you know, you don't challenge that other call that you and I talked about in the DMs with the, you know, the pass of Steph Curry where he jumps in the air and gets cast for that foul that they're trying to get away with. Like, you don't challenge that situation just so you could keep the challenge for the end right here. And I feel like even if the refs tell you no, like, you still want to just throw the challenge out there because I don't think you have a real opportunity to win regardless. You know, Klay Thompson's going to the line, uh, elite shooter, you know, he's, he's going to probably knock him down.
2: He's derelict in his duty. His incompetence continues to amaze me in a lot of ways. Now, look, I think Nash did a lot of decent things tonight in terms of some of the rotations, you know. throwing Blake The way that he's using Blake Griffin a little bit more now, you know, I've been quite impressed with. And a lot of that is credit to to Blake too. You know, throwing the Marcus Aldridge out there at the right times on the right lineups allowed him to be effective as an offensive player for certain stretches. But both of those calls, you have two opportunities. There's a challenge there as a tool for a reason. We talk about, you know, what the coach's job is supposed to do. You know, their job is to use everything that they can at their kettle to help the player succeed. Rotations, lineups, you know, uh, minute allocations, all this sort of thing. You also have this thing called a freaking challenge. And you have two opportunities to freaking use it, and it doesn't use one, Nick. Explain yeah. it to me. Okay, both might have been fouls in the end. But how are you going to know if you don't freaking use it?
1: Yeah, I think uh in my opinion like just looking at it, it, like I said, if you don't make the first challenge then you almost have to make the second challenge, like you're saving it for that reason and yeah, you, you know, you lose the challenge, they miss the free throws, you only have 5 seconds. Well, you're already in a tough position to win the game anyways. You know, if that foul is not called, it looks it's probably going to be a jump ball or it's going to be nets ball and they're going to have a real opportunity to tie the game or take the lead. So it's frustrating. It really was. And like you said, how are you
2: so like mellow, right? I mean, we've seen all these like podcasting memes that we see online and it's probably the reason why we've been able to do this for so long and had a lot of fun with it. And some people have joined us along the ride, but I don't know. Have you got like an infinite like supply of Kyrie Irving's personal sage collection uh, out there in New York right now? I mean, I just look at it like this.
1: Going into this game, it was going to be a tough win. You know, obviously, James Harden, like I said, didn't play. No Kevin Durant. Um, Guys are banged up. Still no Joe Harris, obviously. You know, the Warriors were missing. Draymond Green, Klay Thompson, Steph Curry not playing well. But it's just like I didn't necessarily anticipate a win, and I just saw the Nets do enough things wrong in this game throughout. That didn't give me confidence. Like you're going against a great team like this. You need to hit your layups. Like the Nets probably missed, you know, eight to 10 layups in this game. And that's, you know, 16 to 20 points left on the board. And we're not talking about like even contested layups. I love Kessler Edwards. He blew a dunk in this game. I love DeAndre Bembry. He blew four layups in this game. So it's just like there's there's definitely frustration. But it's also, you know, January 29, 2022. And Katie's not playing. James Harden's not playing. I'm not going to get, you know, super, super upset over any loss. You know, uh, for me, the only thing that really matters is the playoffs and championships. I've watched enough sports to realize that, you know, the regular season is not worth my uh, emotion.
2: You're a better man than me, <laughs> Nick, because uh, my emotions are fluctuating like absolutely <laughs> crazy. Like it's a roller coaster on cocaine right yeah. now. It's <laughs> insane. Uh, Look, I understand. I I totally agree with your points about, you know, this being on certain players as well and some of their executions. And and DeAndre Bembry was awful tonight. One of the worst games these players of Brooklyn there. You know, Kess, while he was tremendous defensively, especially on Steph, you know, some of the, this was one of his worst offensive games since being inserted into the rotation. You know, one of four from the field for him. It was that first three of the game was his only shot.
1: Feels like that's happened a lot for Kessler. He has shots in the first quarter and then not the rest of the game.
2: Yeah, and it happened, I think, in the in the previous match as well against Minnesota or whoever else it was. I can't remember the last Denver. game. Denver, Denver. Sorry, uh, and or it might have happened against Minnesota. I'm not sure, but I, I just think because there was a, a, a window and and everything is so much more meaningful in the closing minute of the game. Yeah. Everything the spotlight is on, everything is on. Like it's just. Even Steve freaking Javi, who is like the cuck of all the officials there, is like, why didn't Steve Nash challenge it? Oh, okay, he didn't challenge it. Okay, they're going to take the free throws there. If you know that Steve Javi, head of the Officials Association, whatever, is even like saying, is even befuddled why you didn't make the challenge, then that's saying something. My entire timeline is saying it. Kyrie Irving didn't want a head coach in the first place. And Mm -hmm. the fact that we have a head coach in Steve Nash right now Look, I might have to agree with you, man. At least for the next 20, 32, 72 hours, however long it is till the next game against the Phoenix Suns. But man, that was just... And look, also as well, you, you sort of mentioned some shots with, you know, Dondre, Benwick, Kessler Edwards. There was uh, one of the final possessions of the game ended in a James Johnson three, where there yeah. was still seven seconds left on the clock. My God, you hit a three. It looked nice. It was pretty but you aren't Stephen Curry and Stephen Curry's probably not even taking that shot with the way that he was playing tonight. It was, there was just uh, like you mentioned, there was boneheaded plays uh, across the board. And the fact that the Nets were able to hang in, in a lot of respects is basically a credit to Kyrie Irving and Patty Mills. Simple as that. Both of them were absolutely tremendous.
1: Yeah. I think also like credit Kessler Edwards, Blake Griffin. I thought they had some good defensive moments in that second half too. Um, especially because the nets were able to survive that surge from the warriors to start the third quarter. It felt like that was going to be the end of the game, you know, a couple of changes in the rotation lineups. And then all of a sudden, next thing, you know, they're back in the game. They made a run and had a real opportunity to win. So, you know, credit them for fighting and finding a way to be in this one. But there is also defensively, you know, at points, they did a great job switching and being, you know, in in sync. But there's other points in this game where there's just too many guys like double switching onto the same player, giving wide open layups, or just not anticipating, you know, what the Warriors are trying to do when it's pretty well known their style of offense.
2: Well, I mean, we heard Patty say it in some of the timeout, and, and I think having Patty Mills on the Wired is probably the only person we're actually going to get a little bit of X's and O's that aren't going to be like, yeah, good good layup, yeah yeah, well done. Paddy was talking to Blake after a time, and it's like, you know, you've got to be there for that slip. You've got to read that a little bit better. And that's on me, not giving you the confidence to do that. You know, and the way that he was, like, sort of talking to clacks and, and Kess and, and everyone. And, you know, when he was going back on defense, he's like, you know, i got ball, i got ball. You guys rotate here. Like, he's, I, I don't understand how, like, Paddy Mills has a voice after the games because he's talking so much. And all of it is productive chatter. It isn't just, it, it sort of reminds you of like Draymond Green in a way. Like you can, he's just the leadership personified on both ends of the floor. And, you know, what the Nets would have done, what the Nets would do without him this season, I, I can't imagine where the Nets would be, to be honest. Now, obviously Kevin Durant has been outstanding. Kyrie Irving in his play, when he's since his return to the team has been superb. And James Harden, you know, he's had his inconsistencies, but he's had a pretty good season as well. But the level of consistency that we have seen from Paddy Mills this is the best season of his long, illustrious career. This is some of the best basketball that he's producing on any court that I've ever seen. Like he was the the best, the level of basketball that I've seen him play in international, there's a reason why they call him Fever Patty Mills, but they might as well call him Brooklyn Net Paddy Mills now because he is playing at a level and he is showing a level of, of desire and consistency that is unheralded for a role player. You know, there are... Uh, other people have sort of said that, you know, Patty, there needs to be an award specifically for Patty Mills, given, you know, he, he's not going to be a six man of the year contender anymore. And he's just given his heart and soul and energy and his voice and, and his body. You know, he took a charge towards the end. or He took a he got an offensive foul towards the end of the game that got the net some free throws. And he hit both of those clutch free throws. And he was just doing everything. He gives his heart, body, mind and soul to this team. And he's only been on this team for, what is it now, 49 games, Nick? It yes. feels like he he bleeds black and white. You know, and I, I love it because it's just the the level of, of desire that I have for this team as well as a fan. It just feels like Patty Mills has for this team whenever he puts it on, whenever he puts on that shirt, whenever he puts on that jersey.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a game, too. He started 0-5, you know, and he finished with 24 points, 8-21 from the field, 6-12 from 3, 2-2 from the free throw line, 4 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks— You know, this was a really good game for him because similar to that Denver game, he had to take on a bigger role of being kind of that offensive engine and just doing a lot of things, you know, trying to create something out of nothing. And, you know, there's a lot of times that he was matched up with a bigger, you know, offensive player and he was still able to kind of at least get himself in position and fight through the play. So like you said, credit Patty Mills playing with great energy and consistency throughout the season. And, you know, I mentioned to you, I just like wish everybody could communicate like that defensively because that's really what you need. You need guys to be in sync, especially when you're switching and playing a team like this that is throwing literally possibly five to ten screens at you in one possession. Like you just have to be in sync and in line. And, you know, a lot of the young nets, I think, are starting to learn from Patty Mills, and that's definitely promising. You saw him kind of talking to Kess a little bit, too, before the game.
2: Look, I'll, I'll just put this out there. This is for my personal narrative and all the Patty Mills stands out there as well. Stephen Curry tonight, 5 of 18 <laughs> from the field, 3 of 10 from 3. What, we, what you said, 8 of 21 from the field for Paddy Mills, Nick, 6 of 12 from 3. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, Paddy Mills is better than the greatest shooter of all time, but I am saying that he was tonight, 19 points mm. as well. Paddy Mills was the second best player on the court tonight in a game that had one of the MVP contenders. Steph Curry looked like Jimmy Fredette with a shoe deal tonight. Mm-hmm. Paddy Mills looked like he, he deserved everything and all the credit that Stephen Curry has got this year, whereas he has been lackluster and inconsistent of late. You know, he's been sputtering. Whereas the left, and you cannot, those are two words that you cannot, you know, associate with what Paddy Mills has done this season uh, at a level and at a, you know, at a responsibility that has never been asked of him. 38 minutes for him tonight as well. He is just – he's a warrior, absolute warrior.
1: Yeah, ironically against against the warriors. Uh
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: But talking about the best player on the court tonight, that was Kyrie Irving, 32 points, 9 of 21 from the field, 3 of 8 from 3, 11 of 12 from the free throw line, 7 rebounds, 7 assists, 3 steals, did have 5 turnovers. But the Warriors off rip were giving him at least 2 guys of attention at different points of this game. There was 3 guys when it got to the 4th quarter. Four to five Warriors are pretty much locked in on him, and this is kind of the disadvantage of not having your full offensive arsenal because, hey, I'm going to live in Patty, and then I'm going to go lock down Kyrie, and that's what's going to happen. But he still found a way to get the Nets in this game and have a real opportunity to win, inclu- including a really clutch three at the end that almost you know, gave the Nets that final chance to win the game.
2: A little bit of deja vu for probably Golden State Warriors fans in a lot of ways. Kyrie they Irving, hate Kyrie Irving, dude. <laughs> Kyrie Irving and cooking them on their home court, complaining about the fact that he's unvaccinated, despite the fact that Justin Holiday just a mere games ago was cooking them at the exact same time. Look, uh, we don't need to talk about the the whole vax BS or whatever. But Kyrie Irving, this deck, this game deserved to win because purely now, we, this game might be forgotten in some of the Kyrie Irving masterclasses. He's been awesome this year. And doing this by himself after James Harden was out with a right hand injury, which was shocking to to a lot of Nets fans. And, and I think I, I, you might have to look it up while, or, or I'll look it up once, but I do believe that there is news about him playing against the Suns as well, Nick. I think he's probable. If not, he will be back. But on Kyrie Irving, 9 21 from the field, 3 of 8 from 3, 11 and 12 from the free throw line. Good to see him actually get there now after only taking like, you know, an average of two a game. Seven boards. I thought his rebounding was really good. I thought his passing was tremendous. Also had three steals. you had the five turnovers, but the amount of time the ball was in his hands, um, you know, that's certainly something that I'm not necessarily going to argue about to go to 32 points. This was a a masterful game. There was some highlights, you know, there was the one at the start of the game where he cooked Stephen Curry. And look, I put out the poll, Nick, we can maybe have a mini discussion about it and have maybe a little bit of nuance about it, but I'll get to some of his other highlights before I give you... The question, and I give you the poll, and you better have voted the right way, my friend. But you know, he was he lost his in the third quarter. There was the play where he literally, I'm like, oh, okay, carry in the tennis ball over, and the the handle is so low, and I thought it started to get a little bit looser, but somehow, like he's tightening the the lid on a ketchup bottle, is able to just get it back into his yeah. hands and sort of like it just spring it back like he's Spider Man shooting out his web. And hits this insane long two over Clay Thompson. That was just wild. And then obviously in the fourth quarter, he has some dagger threes and just dagger buckets. Um, he was, and then you know he made some nice passes when he was he was doubled and triple teamed to you know James Johnson hitting some shots. This was, and, and he was doing it on hard defense as well. Yeah, Gary and Payton good defenders. Like, yeah, Gary Payton was right up in his grill. And it sort of reminded me of like when he was guarded by Marcus Smart in some of the Boston games. He's just like, okay, where can I get here? Where is the space? Okay, it's at the mid-range free throw line. I'm going to get there. And I'm going to hit the shot over here. He's like 6'1", six, 6'2". Six, if maybe six three on a good day, if he's wearing the right Kyrie kicks. But this was, he's a joy to watch. Uh, I hope that sooner rather than later, we start to see him back for a larger portion of the games. But he was insane tonight. He was the best player on the floor in a game that had the supposed MVP. Now, and and Kyrie Irving, he was unguardable, undefendable. He was inevitable. He was absolutely awesome. This is one of the this is one of the best performances from a Brooklyn net this year, Nick. And and Kevin Durant has probably got you know maybe one and one two or three. like one two three four. <laughs> yeah, and but Kyrie Irving, he's he's climbing up that list with some of the games that he's playing. And again, the Nets were so shorthanded. Whereas, you know, the Golden State Warriors had Dremond Green out, but that's all they had out. They had all-star Andrew Wiggins there, who was cooking us in the first half. They had, you know, Stephen Curry, MVP, contender, best shooter of all time still there. They had Clay Thompson but They had Gary Payton and all these guys. Whereas we had basically Kyrie Irving, Patty Mills, and a bunch of role players. And we still find a way to almost get this win. And if it weren't for... Some of the boneheaded plays that we sort of alluded to and some of the boneheaded non-decisions by Steve Nash, this could be a very, very different outcome, which is why it's frustrating because Kyrie Irving deserved this win. This game, this performance deserved a W.
1: Yeah, and you just talked about how he's so good against great defenders. One thing he does, he has a great understanding of leverage and angles. You know, when you overplay one shoulder a little bit, that really allows him to get into a spin move sometimes or just kind of catch you... He almost hits you with like that double fake sometimes where you're thinking that he's going to go this way and he knows that you're thinking that so he's going to take a step that way and then really go the opposite way he just really plays with you it's just like a game within a game and like you said it's really enjoyable to watch it was nice to hear the broadcast crew like give him a lot of credit as well for how talented he was in this game and like the type of plays that he was making and they just seemed like very in awe and it's just like you said hopefully we get him at home soon because it's really fun to watch. The fans want to see it at Barclays. And obviously the team could use him because he's just this level of player. And I think, you know, Kyrie, you can see with some of the turnovers and how you can take him out of the game when he's, you know, a smaller player. And there's well, not. When you throw
2: three guards. That's, three that's what I'm saying. When you,
1: when you throw, when you double team him and you kind of force the ball out of his hands, that's something that can happen. But that's why he's such a great compliment when you have that other superstar out there because now he's getting those one-on-one situations or he's able to take advantage of an advantage created by the offense where really tonight he didn't get the ball many times where it was kind of off of a kick and he was kind of set up to make a play. You know, there was dribble handoffs, passes like that, but not anything where it's like penetration, kick out, pump fake, drive for easy layup or something like that. That wasn't something you saw, and that's something you'll see when he plays with KD and Harden.
2: Kyrie Irving had, as I alluded to, 12 free throws tonight. He could have had 16. You know, he could yeah. have had 15 plus because of I the— I thought there
1: was one call at the end that they missed when he went in the lane and he kind of brought the ball, as you can see what I'm doing like this, and they smacked his wrist, and it, it looked pretty obvious, but that was that was probably my biggest missed call for him, especially late in the game. And I mean, the, yeah. like, the other ones are questionable. With the inbound pass, that probably was a foul.
2: I mean, the Kev, the Kevon Looney one at the earlier in the game, I think the first— Oh, the, yeah,
1: yeah. He gave him a real good hockey hip check.
2: Yeah, that was like Dolores Umbridge to the Order of the Phoenix. I'm trying to get the Harry Potter references in, Nick. I'm not sure if you're probably keeping up with me, but I'm sure there's a few fans out there in the UK. I know about
1: like 80 to 85% of them. Some of them um, I'm not catching.
2: (laughs) There we go. Nick, let's have the discussion. Kyrie Irving is better than Stephen Curry. Here's my column. (laughs)
1: Uh, I can't agree with that I'll say you know Kyrie is probably more skilled in multiple facets of the game but I think Steph's shooting is just such an elite thing and even on the nights that he doesn't play well he puts so much fear in your defense that he's creating you know advantages or literal wide open layups and dunks for players that I don't want to say have no business getting those shots but really they wouldn't be getting those shots if they didn't play with Stephen Curry so I think that's probably the biggest difference for me is just like how much fear Kyrie puts... I mean, how much fear Curry puts into... Oh,
2: Kyrie, you you said...
1: (laughs) An imposing defense, just like... You just see how locked in the nets have to be on every pick and roll, every pick and slip, pick and pop, whatever it is. It's just a ton of pressure. But in like a one-on-one ISO situation, Kyrie Irving's a better player, but that's only one aspect of the game.
2: It's one of the more important aspects of the game because I didn't see Kyrie Irving get locked up by a 30-game rookie. The way that Stephen Curry was, and Curry Irving had, like you, we've mentioned, two, three bodies thrown into him at a time, and you know, other than the five turnovers, you know, if he had have had one extra decent role players tonight, then the Nets get the win. And if you had had Joe Harris tonight, I reckon the Nets get the win pretty, pretty comfortably in a lot of ways. And I just think that you, you, the, the key word that you alluded to there was skill, and Kyrie Irving is one of the most skilled players to step on the basketball court. Handles unmatched, Stephen Curry good handle one of the better handles that we've ever seen Kyrie Irving best ever shot making and shot creation Kyrie Irving top five ever you know that's just at the top of my head I think Kevin Rand can do it just purely because of his size but it's more impressive coming from a guard like Kyrie Irving because it's so much more difficult to create those advantages it means he can't shoot over guys he has to get through guys he has to find the angles off the bank he has to you know make the rainbow sort of shots that he's done that look absolutely gorgeous. He has to use the handle to get to his advantage. He has to burrow his way through to get to the line. Now, I just think that the way that he's he's playing better than Stephen Curry right now, and quite handsomely. I mean, I mean it Mills-
1: is it's easier in a sense though too, is like you're you're playing eight games, you don't have the same burden of a player playing a full season.
2: No, but I, I stand by the fact that Patty Mills has been playing better than Stephen Curry of late. Again, this is just a, a probably maybe a 5 to 10-game sample size. Stephen Curry has been average to bad. Kyrie Irving, obviously, like you alluded to, he's able to sort of get out there and have, you know, advantages where he can just sort of go out there, play for 40 minutes and just do his thing. But if we're just looking at it by a, if you give me one game, one possession, when it all matters, yes, I'm sort of creating scenarios that allow Kyrie Irving to be the better player. Kyrie Irving has outplayed him in the, has already outplayed him when it does matter. He outplayed him again tonight. He outplayed him in the 2016 finals. I'm just saying, Nick, these are things that have already happened. These are things that we've seen. I don't need analytics or VORP or PER to tell me or, you know, Under Armour, you know, advertisements or the Golden State Warriors hive or all the Curry stands out there to tell me that if I'm got, if I want a one possession game and I need to get a shot, you know, Steph and Curry can't even get it over Kevin Love. Kyrie even can get it <laughs> over three. We saw it over two guys in the corner where he had about what was it, fourteen centimeters probably to actually get that shot up. That was ridiculous. Steph can't do that.
1: Yeah, no, there's definitely things that, you know, Steph can't do that Curry can do. I mean that Steph can do, that Kyrie can't do, or vice versa, but I mean, at the end of the day, you know, there's a reason he's Stephen Curry. He's won multiple MVPs and Kyrie Irving hasn't, you know, it's not just a narrative thing. So we'll we'll leave it at that. I mean, we, you could go into this and talk about it all night, but I mean, Steph Curry's a better player. You know, Kyrie's might be having a better stretch right now and Steph's in a slump. But, you know, if you were able to make a trade, Stephen Curry for Kyrie Irving, I'm pretty sure I know what you would do.
2: <laughs> yeah, look, we'll have a discussion about that off wax. Come on, let me let me forward the <laughs> narratives, my guy, but. Speaking of the guy that did lock up Mr. Curry tonight, Mr. Wardell, uh, Kessler Edwards, Nick, what was it about Kessler Edwards defense that was so effective on limiting your two time MVP darling, <laughs> Stephen Curry?
1: <laughs> I never wore this hat, but uh, I guess some, ever something new in 2022, but uh, you know, Kess does a really good job of like moving his feet in like, in, how do I explain this? Like, like short, small steps, like just keeping his feet happy almost, like always active instead of really getting flat-footed, and that allows him to get back into position. You constantly see him fight through screens and then able to get back in front of the the offensive player, and he did that tonight, and he used his length. He had that really nice block on uh, Steph Curry in the fourth quarter as well. There was a possession, I think. So either- did
2: Blake as well. Blake yeah. had an awesome block on Steph, and yeah. I was just yeah. like, okay, Blake, and Steph was just like, but Blake Griffin did that to me.
1: <laughs> yeah, he just looked like what? What just happened? But uh, getting back to Cass, I think there was another possession in the third quarter where he probably didn't need to foul and he fouled, and then he kind of all right. I learned from my mistake. Got the block. Used my length in that situation. I think he's just kind of just really energetic, and a lot of defense is just being super energetic. And then the fact is, he has a good skill set. He's a good athlete. He moves well laterally, and he has great length. And he's willing to play with a little physicality. I think. Probably the biggest issues for him in this game defensively is just maybe some communication and understanding, like, who's going to be where. And it's always hard as just a viewer and not actually someone on the team or on the coaching staff to know who's supposed to be where in that situation or who didn't say something. So, like, that could be on Cass. That could also be on one of his teammates as well. You're just really happy. Like, we've seen him defend now what, Stephen Curry, DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, um he's probably had some reps on Darius Garland LeBron James Darius Garland in that Cleveland game um matched up with like Anthony Edwards D'Angelo Russell like he's seen a lot of really good offensive players and I think like you're just continuing to build up that essential experience and memory bank against going against all these guys and like He's a rookie. You're not going to necessarily depend on him in the finals or something like that, but you wouldn't feel sick about it if he had to play rotation minutes in the playoffs. Like, when the team's fully healthy, I'm not sure how many minutes he's going to play, but he, for me, he just provides a skill set that is so needed by every superstar stacked team in the league because he just does all the small things, and there's there's plenty of room offensively for him to be better.
2: No, there is, and look, I, I know I've got a question for you, and I'll answer it myself before I ask you. <laughs> I think Kess is better on smaller guys because of, you know, his lack of strength and being bullied by, you know, like a LeBron Define James. Define
1: smaller. Def- so like, I would say
2: guards. I think he's better on guards. I've really liked his defense on guards because he he makes things hard because of his wingspan, you know, six, yeah. eight, like a simple wingspan, something like that. And like you mentioned, his lateral quickness is, you know, similar to like a Claxton. You know those guys are just so happy with the switch and so happy guarding the smaller guys that it's just like it, they almost relish it in a weird way. Whereas if there's a guy that's a similar size to Kessler Edwards or maybe even a bit bigger, then it's just like okay, well he can get bullied and that's and he loses some of the advantages that he does have with his size, with his wingspan, with some of his quickness. So I think that that's and I, and look, I, the Nets take on the Bucks on February 26, February 27, Australian time. I want to see some possessions, Kessler Edwards, on Giannis Antetokounmpo because experiment with it. Hopefully the Nets have got you know, Joe Harris, KD back then, and you, know, you throw James Johnson on, on them for a bit too, and Blake and such. But I want to see that because, like you mentioned, you rattled off the list of names of some of the NBA's best offensive players. You experiment now, and while Steve Nash loves a good experiment, his mm-hmm. head is exploding left, right, and center. I want to see worthwhile experimentation that could have an effect in the postseason.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I think there's some threes he could defend, you know, like a Jason Tatum, maybe who's not as physical. But I agree against like, you know, LeBron James, even Kawhi Leonard when he's healthy, like he's a physical guy that's going to kind of punish you down low. You'd be good on I, Paul George. Yeah, yeah, and I think Paul George in my head is kind of almost he plays a three, but he's like more of a two, like the way his skill set and his body type is. But uh, talking about Kessler, we mentioned I think either on the last show or a show before that, it's a lot of it is do with like his lower body strength, you know, like his his leg strength and his core. Like he doesn't necessarily have that ability to take the contact from a LeBron James and react. He can do it against some of the guards. And you know, that's why he's looked so good in the upcoming matchup against the Suns. Love to see him on Devin Booker and see how that goes.
2: That'll be a lot of fun. Hopefully uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's given the assignment and again, another 32 minutes for him tonight. You know, he's, being relied upon at an incredibly high level, you know, outside of Patty Mills, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kevin around these guys, I think going forward, Kessler Edwards is going to be that guy. We are going to see him convert from the two-way contract. Who knows, you know, what happens with Bruce Brown, Von Carter, these sort of guys, but Kessler Edwards is going to earn an NBA contract because he is an NBA player and playing at a level that is, you know, beyond his years. You know, he. If there was a rookie all defense, Kessler would be be on it uh, in a heartbeat, you know, alongside like a Herb Jones and an Evan Mobley. There's a really nice defensive class of rookies right now. But Nick, uh, who else did you want to touch on? uh, I guess who else do you think had an impact on the game? Because Blake Griffin, eight points, four or six from the field, four rebounds, one block, was plus 13 in 16 minutes.
1: You know... I look at Blake and there's just some games that he just looks better athletically and it just seems like he gets up for games. This was a game he got up for. And you never know what game it's going to be. Obviously, primetime matchup against the Warriors. You want to kind of show you still have some game. And he did that. And also, I thought he did a really nice job taking advantage of some of the mismatches of down low, you know, just with that little post up, get the little layup in there, able to kind of be a nice outlet. He works well with Kyrie Irving because he understands that Kyrie can dribble himself into a double team occasionally. Blake's usually a guy that's there to kind of set him up and take care of the ball and work in the short roll, whatever it might be. And like I said, when he's moving this well athletically, you don't feel as bad about switching. You're not trying to get him in a matchup with Stephen Curry, but there was numerous times where he got matched up with Steph, Clay, whoever it was, and he held his own. It felt more similar to Blake that we saw initially with the Nets after the buyout rather than what we saw early this season.
2: And, and that's a good thing. And, and that's where sort of like, you know, I touched on earlier with, with Steve Nash and the way that he's utilizing him. You know, another 16 minutes for him. You're sort of seeing that maybe when you get, you know, Claxton and, and the reps under him and, and, and such, and, and maybe you find a, another quality big man who can space the floor a little bit. Blake can be a defensive option out there and a guy that gives you a, an offensive connection. Because I think that when him and Patty and Kyrie were out there, the offense looked at its best. And I think that that's why Blake was plus 13 because yep. in that third quarter where the Nets went on some some big runs and I think it was like a 24, 20 to four run to yep. end the second quarter to end the half.
1: I think it was the end of third quarter.
2: Third quarter, sorry. Yep. So when it was a, a 20 to four run to, uh, and Kyrie you know, had you know 14 points of his own in that quarter, Blake was out there a lot because when Blake has the ball in his hands, he doesn't make bad decisions. You know, As an offensive player... You know, he's not going to give turnovers away. He was getting some foul calls, flailing around a little bit. I thought that he was the Nets' third best player tonight. You know, probably not as impactful as Kess was on Stephen on Curry. You can make an argument for that. But I think Kess was the net negative on the offensive end. Whereas I thought Blake was solid defensively and pretty positive on the offensive end with, you know, his rebounding and, you know, the handoffs and the screens. And he had a really nice spin move as well in the fourth quarter to start the fourth where, you know, he got a, I don't think it was an and one play, but it was just a really composed vet sort of move, getting into some good post positioning. Um, This is, this is good from Blake and, you know, it was cool to see him, you know, the, the old builder boy crew, Um, BCB, that's all I remember what it's called. I don't remember. Blue Collar Boys. Blue Collar Boys. There we go. BCB, you'll remember it for me, mate. But yeah, Blake and and Patty, you know, they've got a, a good connection as well and, you know, there's an accountability that they were holding for each other, which I was really positive about. And Blake's also, you know, that good sort of locker room presence. So when yep. he's playing well, I'm going to guess that there's a pretty good vibe around the place because he's just got this a personality about it that, you know, you sort of vibe off.
1: Yeah, and I think also, you know, Blake looks better in these smaller minute allocations, at least for now. Like, you know, playing 16 minutes, 18 minutes, whatever it is. Tonight it was 16, but it just allows him to be a little bit fresher out there. And I think like we talked about patty early in the show as a communicator i think blake's also a guy that's willing to communicate defensively and kind of shout things out so like you said i like the way that he's kind of finding his rhythm getting back in the flow and having an impact on this team because for a while it, it was really unsure and there's still going to probably be matchups where he can't play but in matchups like this i think in some of the smaller matchups blake can excel especially if he's moving the way he did tonight
2: yeah, and look, maybe you know sixes or or bucks are, are two things that you want to sort of see from him. But you know, I, I think that's you know against the, like some of the contenders, this is where like you know you want to find out about what you've got out of Blake as a defender. Still, does he still have you know some of the 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 juice to throw at Giannis, as you like to say, Nick? So we'll see. But um, I, I thought the Nets
1: just... learned a decent amount in this game in terms of like to a level they probably feel somewhat comfortable defending the Warriors. Just Knowing that, you know, Kevin Durant wasn't out there and I think he's a big defensive plus, especially as like a help defender, even on ball defender. Cause it's not like the Warriors have a ton of elite guys that are breaking you down in isolation situations. You know, that's not really Stephen Clay's game. And, you know, Jordan Poole can do that a little bit, but you feel pretty good about your guys handling them. It's really about locking down with the the communication and understanding like how we're addressing every single situation that the warriors are going to put us in and you know the million screens are setting i think like if i was in a, a playoff series a finals matchup with this team the film room would arguably be one of the most important aspects because you just want to be prepared and have standards for everything so you're not second guessing because that's what the warriors do to you and that's how they get some just plays where it's like man how did steph curry get wide open it's just like they create confusion
2: yeah, it's the the Golden State Warriors system and Steve Kerr's system, and you know, without Draymond Green, the system doesn't work as nicely. But neither so really good. Nets, yeah, but neither does the Nets system without Kevin Durant, James Harden, Joe Harris, and Lamarcus Aldridge for a period as well. Hopefully, his ankle injury isn't too serious. And we we got st- um
1: a couple pictures from after the game and a video of him already on crutches. They didn't look too good. I mean, it's it's hard to say. You know, obviously, you know, an ankle sprain from anybody of that size,
2: it's tough. But right Nick, off
1: rip, you, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see him to post All Star break.
2: Nick, you <laughs> you're testing me with with me not swearing on his podcast <laughs> for a number of reasons. I said, I think I said freaking like eight times during that Steve Nash rant. Look, uh, Lamarcus Aldridge, Lamarcus Ortiz was really positive tonight. You know, in, yeah. in a lot of moments, you know the and uh, I think that's credit to him because the last time the Nets took on the Warriors, he was cooked. You know, he, he got you know, switched to death, and he was on every single, you know, um, he, the, they they just absolutely made him look like barbecue chicken, but tonight, you know, his offense is really positive, you know, 6'11 from the field for him, one or two, uh, no, this is, sorry, not 6'11, four of nine from the field, sorry. Uh, also had the, he, he just free throw, had five boards, including, you know, an offensive put back, two offensive boards, had two blocks, I thought defensively, it, he looked deep, better, he still got caught a couple of times, but he was plus seven on the night uh, with those nine points, he looks good alongside Kai. I think both of those guys have a, a decent enough chemistry. So, man, it'll really, really, really freaking suck. <laughs> Replace freaking with the F word. Uh, you guys, you could probably put two and two together if he's out for an extended period because you know James Harden. I think he had his hand in his in a brace, but you know it might have just been you know another another piece of leather that he was wearing <laughs> um, while he was on the bench. You know, James Harden fashion icon. But yeah, we we'll, we'll have to wait item. and see. <laughs> Yeah, we'll have to wait and see, Nick, and look, the the Nets are the, the walking wounded in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah, hopefully all the injuries are kind of getting out of the way before the postseason and, you know, post all-star break, the team's able to be healthy and ride in sync. But like you said, I thought LaMarcus in this game did a better job of having an impact. And like, hey, if I'm going to get beat a couple times defensively, I'm going to make sure I have an impact on the other end. You saw him kind of fight on the boards, get a couple fouls, some putbacks and stuff like that. You know, there's still going to be issues in this matchup. You try to match up his minutes when Steph's off the floor and just kind of allow him to play drop coverage and everywhere else to kind of still switch it is tough like we said with the million screens they run but that's a nice job switching them on to some different you know lackluster offensive players for the warriors to kind of make it less impactful
2: definitely and look talking about the injuries you know we heard from Woj pre-game about the fact that you know kevin around will be back next month now you know next month it's the end of January you mean february's you mean march mm-hmm. so well, I'm going to need a, a little bit more details, man. Hit me up in the DMs at Jack Manuel, L or Nick Faye at Nick underscore Faye underscore. So look, that's it. That's positive news. I think that none of us really had any reservations. I think Nets fans are pretty confident. Kevin Durant, you know, we saw him on the Exeter's podcast. You know, he looked pretty comfortable with where he was at. You sent me a, a DM, Nick. I don't have the tweet in front of me right now, but there was another Joe Harris update as well.
1: Um, <laughs> I sent you so many tweets now I'm trying to think about what, what I sent you today I'll, I'll,
2: while, while you sort of talk about that and, and we go back to it I'll, I'll chat a little bit about Cam Thomas tonight who was a little bit out of sorts you know 18 minutes 1-7 from the field oh two 2 from 3 you know 3 rebounds 3 assists had a steal I think it was the the floater that uh, was one of the shots that he did the only shot that he did hit tonight but you know he the rhythm is something that I'm going to associate with Cam Thomas you know quite quite a lot And he wasn't able to establish a rhythm for himself. And I think some of that's going to have to be on him now and be able to realize that, you know, he needs to fit alongside some of these guys and and try and make an impact in that way. And Shami's shot selection wasn't amazing either. Um, so I think that the 18 minutes that he, he did play was was warranted. He didn't deserve anything more than that. There were times where maybe the Nets could have used a bit of jolt of offense and you could have taken him out for Bruce Brown. But you know Bruce Brown had a couple of positive defensive plays, and you know Bruce Brown by no means was great tonight. If you check the the D's between me and Nick, um, I'm sure there'll be some evidence of that but you know out of those two bruce brown did have a better performance
1: yeah cam you said needs to find rhythm and he did a bad job of setting himself up for rhythm early in the game by taking two step back threes you know rather than you know trying to get a mid-ranger you know a floater a layup free throws or whatever it was he kind of looked just just had an off night you know he just wasn't good and then bruce brown like you said had some good moments defensively offensively he's just such an issue right now he just really can't make shots and he just looks very uncomfortable with the ball he doesn't looks zero percent confident even for layups in that situation but i did find the tweet you were talking about this is via christian winfield and i'm assuming this is pre-game uh he asked steve nash if he was concerned about joe harris's ankle and nash said i'm hopeful that'll be resolved soon but that's outside of my education so really gives us a extremely vague answer you know He's hopeful it'll be resolved soon, but he's not sure pretty much. So that could mean resolved soon. It could be, you know, the injuries resolved, or it could be the rehabs resolved, or it could be on the courts resolved. Still really have no idea. I think, you know, both guys, you know, most injuries, I think we're looking at post All-Star break at this point.
2: No, I think that that's a, that's a given. And I could make a very, very easy joke about the fact that he said education there. Mm. You know, it's basically like, you know, you're lobbing it up for me there, Nick, but I'll, I'll, I'll sage it up and i'll i'll move on but <laughs> james johnson is a guy that we should touch on it because you know he was pretty good tonight 6 of 11 from the field for 14 points including that rainbow three that i alluded to earlier had four boards two assists a steal a block you know this is a matchup that sort of suits him you know he he works well in these sort of matchups so while he can you know give a lot away you know he's a guy that's on a vet minimum contract so you've got to sort of have the different standards for some of these sort of guys and you know James Johnson in the 26 minutes that he was out there six of 11 from the field you know I think he didn't really miss many of these bunny layups or whatever hit the free throw that he did take so this was a, a decent enough performance from JJ.
1: Yeah, I think it was a solid game for him. And like you said, in a matchup like this, he can excel. One thing he did a good job of is kind of taking advantage of the Warriors defense, which can be overly aggressive, you know, trying to get steals on some of those dribble handoffs. He's great with the fake dribble handoffs. Got, I think, a layup or a dunk off that. And just kind of another ball handler, another penetrator. It just becomes more of an issue when they're not guarding him at the three-point line. And then all of a sudden, you know, you like you mentioned earlier in the show, he's taking that, you know, three with seven seconds on the shot clock. That's a shot the Warriors want, a shot that the Nets don't really want. I think defensively there were some good moments for him too. You know, you just wish he was a touch more spry for, you
2: know, some of these matchups. Uh, Via Mark Spears, Nick, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge said this, it's just an ankle sprain. I will be all right. I just can't walk on it right now, Aldridge said while using crutches. So, look... (laughs) we've got two ankle injuries Nick so he can say that now but you know three months later he might still be experiencing complications with the goddamn rehab like Joe Harris has been doing so i I think that you might have to just like insert size a lot for me because you know I might have to like you know go a little bit closer to the mic and do some of my size because I'm just sighing so consistently like it's a religious practice uh, it's just so damn annoying but it's been a
1: frustrating it's not only like this game was frustrating but it's just been a very frustrating season and this stretch and the four game losing streak and all the injuries it's just like what can go wrong has gone wrong so it's just like it just keeps on coming but hopefully this is kind of like all the negative energy we get before you know a championship run when it comes to the postseason
2: yeah and this look that we're 49 games in we've got 33 to go hopefully i'll be able to get over there for for some and you know, being back on the buzz is, is wonderful. I'm, I'm absolutely happy to be here. Kyrie Irving threw a few shots at <laughs> at the uh, Golden State fans via Nick Fridell. Kyrie, on getting booed by the Bay crowd again. We know each other well. God hmm. damn straight you do. So hopefully Kyrie can pull out another masterclass against the Phoenix Suns. But Nick, somewhat therapeutic. I'm sweating like crazy here. I need to get some air con in this recording room because it's like 30 degrees, which is like Ninety something for you Fahrenheit weirdos, but I'm still. <laughs> I do angry. have one more player
1: I want to touch on. I just want to touch on Nick Claxton. I felt like this was a strange game for him. Nine points, four of nine from the field, eight rebounds, six offensive, one of three from the free throw line. In the first quarter, we saw him have some real impact plays and like be a force in this game. And then in the third quarter, he really didn't do much of anything. And I feel like He was, you know, this is something you usually get on a rewatch is he was probably one of the guys that had confusion on some of the switches and where to be defensively in that help defense. So that could be one of the reasons why we didn't see him much in that second half and late in that game. I mean, he was minus 21.
2: on the Yeah. And honestly, a
1: lot of that came from that run early in the third quarter when they made the switch. You know, it it just makes you think that he was one of those guys. I did not watch him closely enough to say like Klax was the issue, but he definitely wasn't the solution.
2: Yeah, no, that's a, it's a good point. And in the first quarter, he was good. His rebounding was tremendous. He had, I think, seven boards. Uh, finished the game with eight, including six offensive boards. Um, and, and that's where he generated some of his offense as well, you know, off some of the misses from Kyrie and and that sort of thing. So not, not the best game from Klax. Um, but, you know, I think that he's good. This is what you get off the – when Nick Claxton is coming off an injury. You get a level of inconsistency. He takes two or three games for him from to get himself going. And then that's where you get, you know, Clack City locked in, locked in and ready to go. And um, hopefully, you know, we see a positive game for him against Phoenix, you know, one of the informed teams of the NBA, one of the, the true championship favorites. But who knows? We might get the old, you know, James Harden sort of style that we saw last year in one of the, the truly great regular season games that we've covered uh, on the Brooklyn Buzz and that I've watched. I think that I put a, a reaction thing on it. I was losing my goddamn mind and, Look, I'll be able to watch most of the game, uh, but I'll definitely be watching replays and highlights and chatting with you throughout it. And it's gonna be a big matchup, Nick. And a couple of days rest, you know. Hopefully the the ailments aren't too bad, and you know no one other than Lamarcus Aldridge is is feeling it. But this one, it hurts a little bit. I know it's just regular season. I should take your. your it would be line a of-
1: great win. I think that's why it hurts too. Is it could be I don't want to say a turning point win, but after the losing streak and all these disappointing losses it would have felt nice to beat the Warriors.
2: Super, super nice.
1: So hopefully we get that feeling against the Suns, like you said, Jack. You know, Nets going in that game with a four-game losing streak. Suns going in that game with a nine-game winning streak. I think they might have one game in between as well. So something to keep an eye on. Obviously, should be fun. James Harden will be back. And, you know, I'll say this. Any game where we have two of the stars, you feel like the Nets can win that game, regardless of who they're facing? So Kyrie Irving, James Harden, suit up against the Suns. There's a chance the Nets can win that game.
2: And then soon enough, the three will be back.
1: And then you feel like you're supposed to win every game. So soon enough, we'll be there at some point this year. Right now, it's not fun, but hopefully, we get there, Jack.
2: You know what? You know what I think, Nick. You know, for, for, I'm going to throw a Futurama reference for people out there because there's Fry's asking about. I think it was in like the the sort of Willy Wonka sort of episode, and he's like, "Well, we'll get there soon enough." And Fry's like, "But that's not soon enough." That's how I feel right now. <laughs> soon enough isn't soon enough, but. You know patience, patience is key a, <laughs> patience is a virtue as they say but i certainly do not possess it
1: yeah well you know it's tough when games like this but jack always a pleasure big thanks to everybody for listening make sure you check out our trade deadline preview and all the rest of the brooklyn buzz pods on all
2: streaming platforms i'm mark chapman welcome to the planet premier league podcast